Hello, it's UK Motor Talk. I'm Dave. Hello, I'm Jim. Uh, hello, David. It's Graham. Blimey, what a week. <laughs> Only seems like last week that we were all chatting. How, how quickly the weeks go. What have we all been up to? I've been basically commuting and hating every minute of it and despising the driving standards as per always, so no change there. But any, anyone else been up to anything interesting? Uh, well, I flew up to Scotland uh, last week and uh, picked up a, a car. A friend of known for uh, a few years through uh, mini racing uh, picked up his car that I'd sold him a few years ago as so it was time to move it on and trade it in. So, so it was a good excuse to uh, pop up there and see you. So uh, a quick flight up to Edinburgh, he picked me up, and then we had a, a good catch up, takeaway, and a few beers. And then I had a yeah, a nice drive from Hoyk on the Scottish borders all the way down to the south coast, so right from the top of the country all the way down. But actually, sort of driving standards and bits and pieces, it was pretty much plain sailing. I didn't really have a cause to tut anyone, blast the horn at anyone, nobody cut me up on any roundabouts, but I was driving a Ford Ranger Thunder with arch extensions and high-def laser xenon beam headlight thing. So a fairly conspicuous vehicle. So I think that that possibly helped. So, um, yeah, HMRC have uh, have just announced they're now treating all double cab pickups as cars for company car tax purposes. So, so, yeah, there might be a few fewer of those on the road any minute now. That'll hurt a lot of uh, property developers, stroke builders with attitudes. Those that drive the largest that uh, they can get a sensible company car tax on, that'll rather change that position, won't it? Uh, yeah, to the tune of like many, many hundreds of pounds per month, like five, six, seven, eight hundred quid a month in some cases. But uh, uh, right. HMRC have said there's a, there's a bit of grandfathering rights going on with this. So if you've either signed an order, signed a contract, you know, place the order, whatever you've done before uh, July. This comes into force, then uh, then you're you're grandfathered in until twenty twenty eight, or indeed if you already have your double cab pickup truck with over a ton payload, then uh, then you're grandfathered in until twenty twenty eight. So um yeah, if you're thinking about changing your pickup because you run one as a company car, then um probably best to get your order in now. I think, but uh, yeah, I think HMRC have uh, have come under some flack. That's uh, that's for certain. So whether they uh, they end up doing a spectacular U-turn or not over the uh, the next couple of weeks, we shall see. But yes, people are not happy. Depends on the mm. demographic at the election, doesn't it? Do we think a lot of builders and property developers are going to vote for us? Oh, well, we made a bit of a mistake there with the old tax. Should we, uh, should we maybe shelve that for a few months and uh, politely just put it on the shelf and forget we ever had that idea? Yes, yeah. a swift handbrake turn. David, you echo my own thinking. Cynical moi? No, surely not. <laughs> But no, it's, it's, as I say, it was actually quite a quite a pleasant drive. It was, it was I mean, there's some spectacular scenery up in uh, in Scotland. It's a beautiful country. It really is nice, and you sort of you know flicking your way through the the country roads. And so I must admit, I was tempted on the odd occasion. I could see a dirt track or path off to the side, and I thought. Oh, I mean, a very capable off-roader here. It's got four-wheel drive. It's got diff locks. It's got bits and pieces. I was, I was tempted. I must admit, but decided not to do any off-roading mainly because, well, it needs to go on the front on the dealership, and if I bounced it off a tree, it's probably not a good look. Plus, I realised I had about seven or eight hours drive in front of me. So, um, yeah, diversions probably weren't the uh, the best idea. But no, it was all it was all good. No traffics, no holdups, no nothing. I, mean, I left at midday on a Saturday, so that's quite a pleasant time to leave and be driving around but yeah left at midday got home at 
eight and I'd had to stop for fuel and a bite to eat and stuff. So yeah, not not too bad. Good as drives go. It's a pretty long haul, but actually I'm surprised driving around Scotland you saw anything. Every time I've been there, it's been raining. It, it, there was a bit of rain, to be fair. It was, it was a bit rainy. Of course, you're in um, Jim Clark territory up there in Hoik, aren't you? The uh, the borders, yeah. the border reaver as he was. It's uh, we, exactly. I think so, we've... We spoke before. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were up in um, up in that part of the world, the borders, and we went to the excellent Jim Clark Museum, which again can heartily recommend if you are in that beautiful part of the world. As Jim says, it is stunning. It's a lovely, lovely drive up there. It's uh, only spoilt by having to come away from it and head back down here. But oh, well, it sounds like you've had a, a most enjoyable trip. I understand that there's not been such uh, such good news in the uh, the other end of the country with a, a certain Volvo. No, the saga continues. News, um, having assured me that it was sorted, I picked it up from an independent Volvo specialist. My local garage saying, Look, I need sorting out by an engine specialist, which we're not. That's a fair comment, I think. So I took it to the specialist who, uh, after several days and 1400 quid, released it back to me and said, oh, It doesn't leak now. And uh, my first stop, which was about a mile ago, there was bloody oil pouring out of it. Highly visible on the day because it was raining. So, um, you know, I'm creating some very pretty rainbows. but Pretty patterns. <laughs> pretty rainbows. Not ideal. So uh, it was back to them later that day, and um, I'm expecting it back hopefully tomorrow. They've said that they found another problem. Just to point out, despite everything being sort of bolted in incorrectly and upside down and left to right and back to front and nothing working properly, you've done how many miles in this car and it hasn't died? uh well since no i mean i've been it's it's a bit like uh, you know veteran and vintage cars have total loss oil systems it had developed a total loss oil system so <laughs> uh driving from my home across east sussex to um, brighton would basically take two liters of oil um wow that's quite a lot of oil and uh without any smoke which is interesting so it isn't being burnt it isn't rings it isn't any of those usual problems it's just falling out of the bottom and you've got to stop every so often and just check the oil level and given that i lost the last volvo on a motorway through a failed oil pump which launched the engine quite comprehensively and quite quickly I'm sort of very anxious not to let the oil levels fall on this one. So we shall have more information soon when I pick it up, hopefully this time fixed, and um, my total loss oil system won't need uh, the contents of the economy of Abu Dhabi to keep it running. Well, if, uh, if Thanos was the destroyer of worlds, then uh, meet Graham, the destroyer of Volvos. I'd probably be more scared of a man who can destroy two Volvos <laughs> than, uh, than a planet. Ah, I'm on my third. Oh, bloody hell. And it, it's not done such a huge mileage, uh, 160 now, which by uh, Volvo V70 stands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the guy did say to me, well, the, the one that's just gone out has got 320 on it, so almost just about double. He seems to know what he's doing, but he's not sorted this one. I hope he has. By this time tomorrow. I do know that um, Her Majesty, or oh, sorry, His Majesty's Constabulary, get with the <laughs> times here. Um, his Majesty's Constabulary are now in receipt of a lot of Volvos again, as anyone driving yeah. around will have seen, due to the um, yeah. 
the unpleasantness with the BMWs going bang. And uh, I do know from talking to a couple of people that uh, the constabulary are more than happy about this because they've got sick to death of the BMWs and their, their little foibles. The, the Volvos are a welcome return because I think everyone's got very fond memories of the old T5s and the yeah. various things yeah. going up and down. And, um, you know, not that anyone particularly wants to see a Volvo in war paint or even one in um, civvies behind you with in blue Lofty. lights on. Yeah, when you're, when you're up to no good, shall we say. Not that any of us would do that. But at the same time, it does gladden the heart to see Volvos back in Battenberg going up and down the motorways. It's uh, like I, just I, like old times. I do do agree. I mean, I, that's the, the reason I bought the first one was precisely because a mate of mine was telling me how long-legged they were. But then I, I uh, had occasion to be in the cab of the X5, which the police were using a year or two ago on a sort of test jolly thing. And um, the driver was saying, well, be glad when we get rid of these damn things. If we hit them too hard, they just fall over. <laughs> As that was a, a common view, apparently, amongst police class one drivers. was uh, You can't trust them in a fast bend. They just fall over. But you say everybody's pleased to uh, to see the Volvos back on the road. The, the only hold-up I did have on the way back from Scotland was the motorway did close for a couple of minutes. It was only about four minutes, but a couple of uh, marked Volvos appeared with the... Uh, don't pass, don't pass, lit up in the back. So I was humming the safety car theme tune radio chatter to myself and, you know, talk map for safety car, safety car, prepare to box. And, uh, yeah, then we just sort of came to a halt for a bit and stopped. But, yeah, I'm not quite sure what was going on here, but only for, only for about four or five minutes and off they set and off we went again. But it was quite nice, actually, because it just meant there was four or five minutes of no traffic on the motorway, so it was quite a clear run. As soon as you took off, I had a good sort of, I think it was about half an hour before a car overtook me or I overtook anything else. It was quite nice, actually. Perhaps they should introduce this regular feature, sort of uh, creating less bunching on motorways. You just sort of start, like the traffic lights that let you filter on and off busy motorways at uh, peak times, just get a couple of Volvos to sort of stop the traffic for a bit and then create space for everyone again. Then you enjoy the the pretense of that you're on an empty motorway when really you're actually not. (laughs) Stretch. Yeah, so it was it was okay for me because I was at the front of the queue. I'd imagine a four minutes builds up at what a mile a minute, so it was probably a four mile yeah. tail back behind Good me. Point. I would have thought. Good yeah, point. that's that, that's their rule of thumb, isn't it? A mile a minute on a on a three four lane motorway. Not somewhere you want to be. Well, well, I'm sorry to hear you've had more trouble, Graham. But uh, fingers crossed this time the Volvo will resurrect itself and they'll have tightened everything up properly. Uh, well, let's you know, hope so. Fingers yeah. crossed. That, that's why one buys Volvos. I think I made the mistake of insisting on a cam belt change just before I bought the vehicle, which was the day before the lockdown. And they were anxious to get shot and get some money in the bank. So um, I, with hindsight, I, although I checked that the belt had actually been done, I took the top cover off to make sure. Um, with hindsight, I'm not convinced that they did a good job. They did a rush job. It's given me 60,000 miles before uh, it's been a problem, but no, it's a problem. Hopefully not for much longer. Hopefully Look forward not. to happier days with the thing. Yeah, it's it's the exception these days, isn't it? I mean, they do talk about sort of car engines. Doing, you know, you can do 150,000, 200,000. I mean, keep, people are hanging on to cars for longer. Their yeah. cars are capable of doing more and more mileages. But, it, you know, you you tend not to hear of cars sort of reaching the 200,000, 250,000. People are chopping them in. I mean, we're, we're the exception, aren't we? Those of us who actually buy and keep cars for ourselves now. They're, they're basically everyone's on a personal contract or on a lease or something. And, um, you know, cars do miles with someone for a couple of years. 
and then they're back into the trade. It's the way the market has, has gone. I mean, I've owned uh, a number of cars over the years, and I've tended to keep them quite a long time, but company cars, they would just come and go and, and you know, on, on whatever finance package was available at that time. But um, you didn't think too much about them. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Volvos have done me some very, very good turns and some enormous uh, long drives, as you were saying, Jim, there. The sort of you you would tackle a drive like that in the Volvo. I remember the first one I bought. I had tickets for a concert in Birmingham, and uh, my wife joined me in my office in Horsham. I drove to Birmingham. We saw the concert. I drove home again, arriving home about four a.m. But it was a delightful drive because it was a very good car for long distance. And they still are. Moving on, I think we've had a bit of F1 chat this year, but I think it was sort of the minute we hung up on our last podcast from having not much F1 news, we've had quite a bit of F1 news, haven't we? I mean, it's a we'd sort of debated doing a, a little special on a, a certain driver move and sort of lamenting the, oh, well, all the drivers are at the same team, so it's all the same as it was last year, uh, and all the liveries that we've all now seen are just, have got slightly more carbon fibre on them than they did before. I mean, I'm a... I've got a, a carbon fibre fetish as much as, well, probably more than most people, actually, but there we go. Um, but, the you know, I'm not, not quite sure some of the liveries look too good being all carbon fibre just to uh, to save weight. But, um, yeah, Lewis to Ferrari. I mean, it's I'd, I'd, I'd have put money on it happening a few years ago, but I thought he was, he was I don't know, not not past the point or, you know, towards the end or twilight or whatever, but you kind of think, has, has he got enough time to go there and see the benefits of things turning around and whatever else. But it's uh, I mean, it's the, the most successful driver of all time in the most successful team of all time. It's huge news, this, isn't it? But it's made front page, it's made tabloid, it's made it's, it's chucked Everywhere. interest Everywhere. in F1 right back in the mainstream. It's, it's had lots of people who never paid a blind bit of attention to F1 now talking about F1. So I think it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, it, it it seems to me it's almost the sort of thing that Bernie would have organised back in the day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just to uh, to spice things up a little bit. But announced really, really early. We, you know, we've got that. I'd, I'd imagine it's the bit sort of in between after you've said to your wife that you want to split up and you want to get a divorce and you've signed the papers, but the house sale's going through, but you've still got to both live together because you can't afford to move out and you're shacking up with her sister. It's that kind of level of awkwardness for the rest of the year, isn't it? So no uh, no personal experience there, of course. I didn't think Toto had a sister. I was not aware of one. <laughs> no, I mean, it must have come as, as, as I think, quite a shock to, to Toto. But uh, I, I do remember uh, some years ago, ago quite some years ago Lewis being asked the question would he like to go to Ferrari and he said yes but you know that was five championships probably ago when he made that comment and you know there the, the has been a tradition over some generations now of uh, of F1 drivers wanting to finish their career at Ferrari I guess the team with the, the greatest longevity in the sport they've been there right from the very beginning but whether it's the right time for Lewis to go there, and I noticed the note question in your voice, Jim, whether it is the right move for Lewis now, but it is, um, there is going to be a very uncomfortable hiatus as to whether he's really going to work hard to make the Mercedes act and work and drive as it, as it should, or whether he'll give it his full attention, or whether 
he will be distracted by the frequent fittings for his glamorous new red uniform that um, he'll start wearing around about uh, November of next year, or this year, rather. It's an unsettling time for the, for the team. I think there may be a, a further repercussion. You know, don't hold me to this, but I suspect the end of this season could see Toto come out as well and perhaps take a... What? A spell doing know, something he... else. I think he may hand over the team. He extended his own contract with the company that he owns running the team that he owns, doesn't he? So he's, I don't think yeah. Toto's going anywhere too soon. Maybe as or not as team principal. Um, certainly, I'd, I'd imagine he'll stay as a, a stakeholder. But Toto oh, is, sure uh, is nothing if not financially savvy. And I think the the investment that he's made into the Mercedes team and then with the, the franchise value of an F1 team these days, what whatever mm. he put into it, it's, uh, it's certainly worth a few pounds more. I mean, a, a team's gone from Ross Braun buying Honda stroke Braun for a quid to what's yeah, a, an F1 yeah. team worth these days? A billion? I, I reckon it's a billion with, with the Andretti bid being rejected and the, the talk of the Concord agreement when that gets redone. I think the anti-dilution fund is around, Is they're talking about a billion dollar, euro, pounds, whatever currency they use as an anti-dilution fund being in the next Concord agreement. So yeah. if, that gets, if that gets locked in, then we are stuck at 10 teams simple as that there, there won't be there won't be any more because you'd you'd rather pay a billion dollars for a fully functioning f1 team than a billion dollars mm. just to open the door wouldn't you yeah i think it's it's uh it's a great pity i think that andretti hasn't come in and uh, as i understand uh gm are seeking a meeting with the fia formula one management and so on and john cobbley and all to uh, reopen negotiations, I don't think they are going to be reopened. I think that the door has been very firmly slammed in their face. But um, whether it's a good thing or not, uh, I, I don't think it is. I think it would have been good to see the grid expand, if for no other reason than it does open up the sort of driver opportunities a, a little bit. Inevitably, uh, Andretti would have come in with at least one, probably two American drivers. Uh, you know, that's that was, I'm sure, going to be part of their game plan and part of the business plan but um i just think it would have been good to see it extended to two more cars on the grid i mean it's not so very long ago that they were talking about some of the existing teams having a third car that idea was kicked into the long grass but you know several team bosses at the front of the grid was were championing the idea hey, it's a bit of a shame really that we haven't got another name a well-known name you know Think of the cachet that the name Andretti carries. Maybe not with Michael quite so much because his um, <laughs> his outing with McLaren wasn't quite so illustrious as as any of them had hoped. Shall we? Shall we say? But you know, I think Formula One is in danger of losing some of its. I mean, I'm I'm speaking as an outsider here now because I used to be a massive fan of Formula One. It's you know, it's passed me by a little bit. I've sort of ducked out, as you know, but. You know, I think Formula One is possibly in danger of losing some of its roots and its heritage, which is why it's great to see Ferrari being, you know, to the fore again and people still wanting to go there to to perhaps finish their career or to turn around Ferrari's fortunes, depending on the strength of their ego or their self-belief mm. or whatever. But having somebody like an, a name like Andretti in Formula One, where obviously the name Mario Andretti carries a huge amount of weight, even for people who've never even watched a Formula One race, they'll know the name Mario Andretti. Andretti's Andretti, you know, get them back yeah. into the sport. Could that bring in... That would certainly increase whatever viewing share there is in the States. And I think 
perhaps you know the Formula One management are being a little bit short-sighted, perhaps. But you know, perhaps it's purely financial, and that's all they care about. Is it about the name Andretti, or perhaps the name Mario? Perhaps some people will assume it was Super Mario that was uh, <laughs> going into F one. I could see that. I could see that. That would be vastly entertaining. Yeah, I, I just think it's a shame. I think it's very short-sighted not to uh, to let Andretti in. I mean, some of the some of the the reasons why Formula One or Formula One management or Liberty Media, however you want to call them, said no. So the FIA had said yes, this is fine, but of course, it's not really anything to do with the FIA. It's it's Formula One that that's in charge of this. They said, you know, the oh well, it's tricky to build two cars, one for this year, one for next year. And it's like, well, yes, but that's what they all have to do. And it's a uh, oh, well, you know, they, they need to be competitive straight away. And it's like, well, that's never been a requirement before. It takes a little while, and who's to say they won't be? And F one would add more value to Andretti than the other way round. I'm I, I'm mm. not sure I agree with that because it's no. I, Domenico has said he wants to see. More races, fewer teams. Whereas I, I want it the other way round. I want fewer races, more teams. Because I think you know, twenty. What are we in for this year? Twenty four races. And I mean, it starts early. Testing starts what next week? Next Wednesday? Yeah, or or yeah. maybe it starts tomorrow. Or maybe it started last week. Depending on when you're catching up on this, of course. But for <laughs> for us here, as we uh, as we're speaking, it's next week. So that's well, it's it's cold it's wet it's dark the clocks haven't changed it's miserable weather etc and it's well hang on this goes all the way pretty much until not long till christmas so it's a it's a long old year it's a lot to squeeze in 24 races that's a lot of weekends you have to give up half a year weekend wise to uh to try and watch all of these whereas i'd, I'd just rather have 16 really good races at proper tracks with 11 Ideally, twelve teams on the grid, twenty-four drivers scrapping it out because they. But I mean, let's let's face it. Looking at all the the cars we've had revealed so far, and the, the usual air of mystery and subterfuge and whatever else, we've had the um, the Red Bull looking more like a Mercedes from the last couple of years with um, big old hunch shoulders and bits and pieces, and then every other car kind of looks like a Red Bull. But I think apart from Williams, we haven't seen the Williams or the McLaren properly yet, have we? It's no. just we've had the livery, but then it's again you watch a, a reveal and it's all computer generated and we have you know, is it push rod or pull rod? And then there's the odd CGI image where it seems to have both. So the I can't <laughs> always take take the actual launches with a pinch of salt until uh, until testing starts yeah. properly. Yeah. But the uh, the the Mercedes looks interesting, but the Red Bull is 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 Adrian Newey just taking the mick now, or is it? Or I don't know. With with Lewis going to Ferrari, and you know, Fred Vasseur is is obviously quite a persuasive and an affable individual. Are we going to see Adrian to Ferrari? Perhaps wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing that. Mm. Not sure because it. I know Adrian's. I think he's on a, a fairly reasonable contract but with the uh, the alleged christian horner alleged incidents allegedly going on then you know the, the speculation's been rife that oh allegedly he might have to go and allegedly adrian newey once said that allegedly if christian ever allegedly left the team he would allegedly leave as well so <laughs> not quite sure is, is is everything just allegedly aligning here is it's you know allegedly there are things going on but oh actually in a way with quite interesting you know to to do well in f1 over the last what since 2010 you either need adrian newey or you need mm. lewis hamilton 
one of the two, you know, Mercedes stole a march with their, their engines and bits and pieces, but I think Lewis made a difference in there without a shadow of a doubt. So it's back in, in the 90s, you needed, or the early 2000s, you needed Adrian Newey or Michael Schumacher, one of the two, whereas now actually is there an opportunity to to have both? And actually... I think that would be quite uh, quite spectacular, and that would be and is it a nice final yeah. swan song for for Adrian? I mean, I think part of the reason that Lewis went to Ferrari or is going to Ferrari or may well actually go to Ferrari mid season, who knows, was what they offered him afterwards and what they offered him in terms yeah. of his his causes yeah. and things. That ambassador deal, and again, let's face it, if you had to be an ambassador for the rest of your life. Uh, Mercedes or Ferrari. I mean, I think when we did the company cars episode on uh, what F1 drivers drive, there's not really a bad company car in the Ferrari range, is there? Let's be honest. Whereas Mercedes, no. you could be stuck with an A class. So it's, you know, it's not, not a hard choice, is it? I saw a very interesting interview with uh, Adrian Newey, and uh, he was saying he's actually working on the Red Bull hypercar at the moment, which is due, I think, late 25, early 26. And he was saying uh, how how much he was enjoying being free of the FIA regulations and F1 regulations because he's saying all the things that they prevented him doing over the last two or three seasons, probably four seasons, will appear on the hypercar. And uh, he was saying that basically, although it's a two-seater and it's quite capacious and you know it will have plenty of room, it will have not less than a thousand brake horsepower. And he thinks that the, their projection for this hypercar is that an F1 driver could actually beat an F1 car in their forthcoming hypercar. It will be that good because it's, he's completely unconstrained. It's like, you know, taking all the barriers away from, from his uh, undoubted genius design abilities and, and giving him a completely free hand, quite literally, because he's still doing it on the drawing board the same as he always has done. Yes, you can almost hear the mad professor cackling from here, can't you, even if you're nowhere near Milton Keynes. I think the man unleashed could be very, very dangerous, regardless of whether he's in front of a computer or in front of a drawing board. Yeah, that's certainly the case. I, I was lucky enough to have quite a long sit-down interview with him some years ago, and uh, uh, notable in, in my memory banks for him being telephoned by somebody from the FIA contesting something that he'd proposed, a, a gap that he felt he'd found in the rule book. And uh, there was a sort of heated moment or so of argument. And then Adrian said, look, can we, can we come back to this in, in a minute? I need to go and take this call, which he then did, and came back about 10 minutes later. And he, he said, mm, it's nice to win one. So obviously he'd, um, he had found successfully one of his uh, loopholes in the rule books. But then that's one of his great uh, great talents. He's always been able to do that. He's always been that bit further ahead than anybody else. And I think Christian Horner said of him that allegedly. this was a man that was... Oh, no. Or did I, allegedly. No, he, he did actually say it to me, so I can comment <laughs> freely, freely on that. That, uh, that uh, Adrian Newey was so far outside the box that uh, he was looking over the shoulders of the people that were looking in from outside the box. But it's, I think if you're going to just, uh, you know, Adrian Newey designing a Red Bull hypercar and whatever else, I did, you know, again, if you're going to pick a company, you know, pick a company that's good at supercars, hypercars, Larry cars, curvaceous two-seater high-powered cars, 
yeah, the, the the view out of your design office window. Do you want sort of Milton Keynes and roundabouts? You know, no offence to Milton Keynes. It's a, <laughs> some lovely roundabouts there. But would you want that or would you want the hills of Modena? It's, I, I don't know. Exactly I think so. By all accounts, they've offered him, you know, like film star salaries to go there, haven't they, in the past? So it's I I mm. I just I would quite like to see it happen because I like change and, and it would be something new and exciting and it would – it would shake Red Bull's stranglehold on the championship. Okay, you need to take a very large part of what makes Red Bull Red Bull out of Red Bull and chuck it into Ferrari. But hey, that's the uh, the way of the world, isn't it? But it's uh, it's going to be exciting, isn't it? So with it uh, with it all kicking off next week, it's clear that Lewis's move appears to have been instigated by Jonathan Alcan, who is clearly a very very persuasive gentleman at Ferrari, and uh, has persuaded Lewis to go. So I mean, if uh, if anybody, I think, could persuade Adrian Newey to follow, he would be the man to do so. And has the checkbook to be able to persuade him. And could, I'm sure, you know, there is, there is a, with all due respect to Red Bull, there is a cachet to the, the Ferrari name, which doesn't quite fit Red Bull in quite the same way. Yes, they make some very good Formula One cars and what six world championships attest to that. Um, and they make some fizzy drinks which sell globally, but it ain't Ferrari and it ain't Italy, and they weren't there at the beginning. And there is a certain cachet to finishing your career there, which you know has intrigued a number of F1 drivers in the past. Might do so with designers. It's done that in the past as well. Yes, indeed. I mean, we, we can think of can think of at least two drivers who've gone there to um, try and do the business and to finish things off. I mean, obviously Mansell, there was Prost. I mean, those two yep. went there and, and literally, in uh, Mansell's case, were lionised. You know, the Tifosi worshipped the ground the man walked mm. on. They saw him as this big-hearted man who was willing to fling their less-than-well-performing car compared to some of them round the track and give it his all. He was the perfect driver for the car and the times. And I, as I've said many times, I'm not as into Formula 1 as I as I used to be, but even I know that I think Lewis Hamilton going there is going to um, certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons, and I think they will absolutely love him because he will do everything he possibly can to make that car the best that there is. I mean, everyone's yeah. got a vested interest in doing it. Lewis wants to go out on an absolute high, and what better way to do it than in a bright red yeah. <laughs> bright red car from Modena? The Tifosi love a, a, a real racer, a battler. Mm. Um, and as, as Sterling said, you know, there, there aren't many that are real racers in that, in that way, and certainly he regarded Lewis as one of those. He also regarded Fernando Alonso as one of those, whose time with uh, the red cars was not quite as joyous as it might have been. When Alonso was at Ferrari, that's when we saw the best of Alonso's battling and scrapping and driving and, and just dragging yeah. results out of a car that really had no right to uh, to score those results. But yeah, I think it would be uh, interesting if you went back in time to 2007 and 2008, Lewis's battles with uh, with the Ferrari drivers and uh and how how it would flip around and then of course he's had a few good scraps with Seb when he was in the Ferrari over the years and sure. uh, 2012s with um with Alonso in the Ferraris as he's been on the the other side of it but I think if if you look at the reception that Lewis gets in Brazil these days you you think back to that day in 2008 last corner of the last lap yes and yeah 
what happened there and how that happened, but he's now got the keys to the city and he's an honorary Brazilian and the, you know, how how the Brazilian people have just embraced him now is it almost seems like he's more Brazilian than well, Felipe Massa is, but that's a, another story altogether. Um <laughs> so but yeah, I think they'll uh they from from Lewis having been trying to do his best to kick the Ferraris out to the park for for all of his career. I think they'll uh, yeah, they they'll they he'll get a good reception in Italy next year. I'm absolutely certain. He'll probably get a very good reception in Italy this year, I would think, because he's uh he's announced it that early. As I say, if indeed he's not in the red car already, I could I could see a mid-season swap. Why not? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a shame for Carlos because I think he's a he's a very capable, very quick, very accomplished mm, Grand Prix agree. driver. I mean, the the only man to beat Red Bull in in a Grand Prix last year, so he uh, he certainly did very well, but. I don't know if you're going to get kicked out and lose your seat to anyone. Is it the, in inverted commas, greatest of all time? Statistically, certainly is. The actual greatest is, uh, is of course, a matter of opinion and debate. But it'll, um, yeah, we could could maybe see a few few early shuffles. If there's the odd falling out, maybe somebody will rotate around. So, again, it'll be, uh, be interesting to see. Just touching on what you just said there, Jim. Uh, yes, uh, we could have a long and splendid argument about the greatest drivers of all time. Jim Clark. Almost all of those greatest drivers have driven for Ferrari at some point in their careers. Jimmy didn't, but then he may have done had he had a longer career. Unfortunately, um, 68 took him out and, and that was it. Just listening to you say that, Graham, it, it was sort of forming in my mind as as you were both talking there that the, the one driver that we never saw in a Ferrari of, in more modern years and who was always slated to possibly again do the the career finale was Ayrton Senna. Obviously, we're yeah. thirty years without him this year, which is again, and it's own oh, right is a terrifying thought. But yeah, the, yeah. it does have I'm the old. other thought. Well, you're old. <laughs> it's it's a. I mean, it was it was a terrifying terrifying thought to think. You know, yeah, I had to sort of totting out my head and go to ninety four. Oh, God, bloody hell, yes, thirty years. But we would we were denied the prospects i mean that's that's one that would have been fascinating to say i mean yeah, what indeed. he would have done indeed. with a with a ferrari would who knows i mean obviously we will never know but i i think he would have i mean ferrari at the time were obviously not the team were they they were going through the doldrums pretty much they weren't doing as well as uh, as they might have done but could he have been the catalyst they would have i think they would have built the team around him and just basically given him everything he absolutely needed to um to turn the team around and but again it's one of those unanswered questions we'll never know a great mm. shame but mm. um the one unanswerable f1 is nothing if not cyclical but you look at the uh how ferrari were doing in the so what 90 when was pros there late 80s and early 90s mm. so if you mm. transpose 90. that across to 2012 so the late noughties early 10s you have a great world champion there in alonso and then mid 90s another one comes along but it's a bit of turmoil and they shuffle everything up and change it it's a slightly different time scale but the order of things is pretty much the same isn't it and then your your superstar your multiple world champion in the form of michael schumacher arrives so as it mm. happens michael left there with seven world championships and lewis arrives with seven but there's there's a few parallels to be drawn there and a team boss you stick a, a frenchman in and fred Vasseur is 
Was he French? Is he Swiss? Certainly sounds French anyway. So there's uh, there's, there's a few similarities, a few similarities going on here, aren't there? So it's everything is like if all else fails, you know, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results, isn't it? Well, what did we do last time that worked? Well, we did X, Y and Z. We'll just do that again. And they seem to be heading down that path, so we shall see. I think one of the regrets that uh, that I have of uh, somebody that never got into uh, a Ferrari, really, uh, or a Formula One Ferrari anyway, was Sterling because uh, you know he had that famed early falling out with um, with Enzo and said, "I'll never drive for the man again." You know, yeah, having driven to Italy to jump into a car for uh, a non-championship race as as a trial for. Enzo, when he got there, the car had been given to somebody else, personally by Enzo. So Sterling said, I'm never going to drive for the man again. And and he never did. Having said that, he did an awful lot of good in uh, Ferrari sports cars, but they were privateer-ended. As ever, politics and motor racing are inseparable. It's, it's <laughs> gone back years and years. Uh, I've just looked him up. Frederick Vasseur is French. He is not Swiss. He is French. So there we are. That's it. That, that was a blueprint for last time, wasn't it? Sort of get a... Uh, yeah. A four-time world champion in that didn't work. Okay, off he's gone. Put a Frenchman in charge. Get a seven-time world champion in. Crack on. That's yeah. We we are we are seeing a bit of repeating, aren't we? Yeah, a certain Mister Tote did an awful lot of good in reorganising the way the team went about its business. Right, but as we said, it uh, it all kicks off next week with uh, with testing. So uh, yeah, should be a should be an interesting season. Even if I've ultimately got a feeling that Verstappen's going to be champion again this year but hey at least we've got next year to look forward to so it keeps the interest ticking along doesn't it and uh, of course allegedly the christian horner thing to allegedly resolve itself so again if nothing else that spices it up a little bit doesn't it so oh spice guns and and, the <laughs> and uh, so far allegedly. we haven't we haven't actually seen that much of the cars until they start testing you don't really get to see what certainly the way they will start the season as you say, there's a lot of uh, CGI and a lot of rather cute uh, images being taken in shade and light and so on and so on, which is not really giving us a great insight into what each of the individual cars will look like. And some look a bit different and some look a bit the same. And certainly from what I can see of the Mercedes, they've sort of reverted a little bit to the sort of side pod issue they went through, but in the hopes that they've solved the porpoising problem. and um, hopefully. Nobody will have that problem this year. I was re-watching one of the early races when the porpoising was really at its worst and uh, and Lewis complaining about how the, the car was just doing his back in and, you know, he was sort of being physically lifted out of the car at the, the end of a race. So uh, God forbid that any of the design tweaks that have been occasioned over this uh, intervening period will uh, deliver cars as unpredictable as that again. Well, you'd hope we you'd hope they've, they've had a year. Yeah, indeed, they've had a they've had a year or two to sort of get used to this now, haven't they? And um, it all kicks off next week, Wednesday the twenty first in Bahrain. And uh, so set your set your alarm clocks because they they start quite early, I believe. Those of you who are Formula One aficionados will already have had your alarm clocks set and your your video recorders. Are they still a thing? You want to watch it live, don't you? You're going to see it, see it live. So that's that's next week, next Wednesday. So uh, next time you speak to us, we'll have uh, we'll have seen what's been going on. We'll see whether Red Bull are sandbagging or whether they're just running away from everyone else and uh, set the tone for the year to come.
Just before we wrap up then, in other news, I got an email this week off Southern Water saying, uh, oh, by the way, we've got to put your bills up just because... Well, everything else is going up, so we might as well. And uh, but also, uh, we're uh, we're still water stressed, so uh, be careful how much water you use. So I think that can only mean we've got some floods on the way. I would have thought, but watch this space. Yes, and the the old adage: don't drive into any puddles you don't know what's at the bottom of, because there's a very good chance you could be going in nose first to a chasm. Yes, but inevitably there will be a hosepipe ban next week. So, um, <laughs> oh, it's the country we live in, isn't it? What's to be said? There's nothing that can be said anymore. I've given up trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been uh, it's been lovely to catch up. We should uh, probably park this one in the in the pits for this week. So, uh, I will say thank you very much for listening. I've been Jim. Good night and goodbye for now. Thank you very much. Uh, I am Graham. I think just about still possibly. And hopefully see you soon. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) And the last time I looked, I was Dave, but I do need to check with the lawyers. I have just heard from them that that was just about enough, allegedly, so we should be all right on that score. Take care. Mind mind all the puddles. We'll see you next time. All the best. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. UK Motor Talk, a first-take media production.